Hello, folks, and welcome to the weekly podcast of Independent Methodist Church in Macon, Mississippi. We hope that this message will bless your heart, draw you closer to Jesus Christ, and help you in your daily walk as you seek to serve our Lord. Turn to the book of Revelation. I have been excited about this message this week. Uh, never thought that I would be excited about a message from the book of Revelation, but here we are. Revelation chapter 4 is where we'll be, 4 and some verses from chapter 5. The, uh, the title of the message this morning is Don't Be Afraid. The book of Revelation can be scary to read. When I was growing up and even into my young adulthood, I was terrified of the book of Revelation. It scared me to read it. It scared me to hear a sermon from it. It scared me to see a Sunday school lesson on it. And to be honest, I don't remember very many sermons or very many Sunday school lessons on the book of Revelation. But it did terrify me. Maybe you have had similar experience in your lifetime. Why do we fear it? I think because it can be confusing. There's so much symbolism there that can be argued one way or the other. And it can be frightening. But for a true child of God, we shouldn't be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid to read it or study it or look into it. In fact, we should study it. We should read it. Try to understand it. Because in the book, God reveals to us, he sort of pulls back the veil and lets us see what's going to take place in the future. So we don't need to fear it. The title of the message this morning, Don't Be Afraid. We're going to be in chapters 4 and 5 in a little bit, but it's going to take us a little bit to to get there. So if you just want to kind of sit back and turn to Revelation 4, we're going to start there in just a little bit. But uh, kind of give you a little bit of a background. Revelation is a a vision that John, the Apostle John, was exiled on the island of Patmos. And God gave him this vision, this revelation of what is to come. And so he, he talks about in Revelation 1, Starting in verse 10, John says, On the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, Write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches. And then he goes on to list those seven churches there by name. And then in verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. 
In verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And in verse 19, he says, write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. Verse 19, write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. later. And so God gives us kind of a general outline of the book there, an outline of the book of Revelation. He says to John, write what you have seen, and that's written for us in chapter 1. Write what is now, that's chapters 2 and 3, that's the letters to the churches, that's the church age we're in now and then what will take place later now I'm not big on Greek vocabulary but because of the nature of this book I, I, I looked into the Greek words heavily this week as I studied for this and that word translated as later comes from the Greek metatauta meaning after this what will take place later what will take place after the church age after the church is taken out, after the church is raptured out, after those who are in Christ and those who have died in Christ, when Jesus steps out on the clouds, we're ushered into heaven. When he says, son, go and get your bride. Now, there's some who don't believe in the rapture of the church. They say the word rapture is not contained in the Bible. And they're right. It's not. But the idea is there. The idea is there. Paul wrote... To those of the church in Thessalonica in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, there were those there who had lost loved ones. And they were fearful that their loved ones who had passed on wouldn't see the second coming of Christ. And so Paul writes there to kind of give them some comfort, give them some reassurance, give them a message of hope of the resurrection. Listen to what he says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring, Jesus, will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And then verse 16 for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now that word rapture is not there, but the idea certainly is there. In verse 17, after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That phrase caught up is from the Greek word harpazo, which means to snatch, to pull up, to pluck out. So I'm telling you, just as sure as I'm standing here this morning, when Jesus steps out on the clouds, those who are alive in Christ at the time and those who have died in Christ, their bodies are in the grave and their spirits are on with the Lord. We will be raptured out. To meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible teaches in 
Thessalonians chapter 4 there. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14, he says, Don't be afraid. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, I would have told you. And he says, I go and prepare a place for you, and I'll come back again and receive you unto myself. Where I am, you'll be also. That's what he says. Now, these are perilous times. We look around the world and we wonder, when is Jesus going to come back? When is Jesus going to step out on the clouds? How much longer is God going to allow the wickedness of this world to continue? But as Christians, we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid of what is to come. As we look at Revelation 4 and 5 this morning, and we see through the eyes of John, God lets us see through the eyes of the Apostle John. I want to point out to you three things that he sees that should give us comfort. Three things that he sees as he looks and he's ushered into heaven into this vision. Three things that should give us comfort, give us hope, and give us a reason not to fear what lies ahead. Now let's read together, starting in chapter 4 of Revelation. We're going to read through the first 11, the 11 verses in chapter 4. And then we're going to read down to about verse 10 in chapter 5. So it'll be about 20, 21 verses. So Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1. After this, I looked and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. 
Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne, and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on earth forever. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to read your word, Lord, and to have your spirit speak to our hearts and minds to show us what is to come. Speak through me this morning, Lord. Hide me behind the cross. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We see in that first verse of chapter 4, John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. Meta Tauta, after this. John looks up and sees this opening, open door. He hears that same voice that he heard in chapter 1. It sounded like a trumpet. Doesn't that sound familiar? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Trumpet. And what does the voice say? The voice says, come up here. Come up here. That reminds me of when Jesus went to Lazarus' tomb, John chapter 11. And scripture tells us he went up to the tomb and he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. This is Jesus saying, come up here. So this first verse of chapter 4 is a picture of the rapture of the church. Jesus is saying, come up here. He's crying out in a loud voice. And immediately it says, John has taken his spirit through the open door, which is the, into the very throne room of God. God gives us a glimpse of what's going on. So the first thing that John sees, the first thing that John encounters when he comes into the throne room of God, the first thing he sees that should give us comfort is God on the throne. God is in complete control of what's going on. That should give us comfort. The psalmist wrote this about God's throne. There's three psalms here I want to point out. Psalm 9 and verse 7 says this, the Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. That's Psalm 9, verse 7. And then Psalm 46, and verse 7, says this. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. And then the third psalm that I'd like to bring to your attention. Psalm 89, verse 14, says this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Aren't we glad of these things? 
that God is enthroned forever in heaven in complete control reigning forever and that the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice and that love and faithfulness go out before him that in and of itself should give us comfort that the God of faithfulness justice love and righteousness is enthroned in heaven forever and then John goes on to describe to us what he sees what God looks like in verse 3 there he says and the one who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Cornelian. Now, the NIV says Cornelian. Some versions say ruby there. That, that, that is a ruby. And then he goes on to say there's an emerald rainbow encircling the throne. Many scholars say that the Jasper that's mentioned here is a clear stone like a diamond. It reflects clear, bright white light with some hints of purple. And the ruby, of course, reflects red, ruby red. So there's some significance here to these two stones being mentioned. The high priest wore a breastplate, had 12 stones of the 12 tribes of Israel next to his heart at all times. The first stone representing the firstborn son of Jacob, which was named Reuben, tribe of Reuben. Guess what that stone was? It was Jasper. Jesus is the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. He's the firstborn of the dead. So that bright white light coming from that jasper stone representing the first, that's significant. The last stone in the breastplate of the high priest, guess what it was? For the tribe of Benjamin, the lastborn son of Jacob, was a ruby. Benjamin, the name Benjamin means son of my right hand. Where is Jesus now? The right hand of the Father. And that ruby red color reminds us of the blood that Jesus shed for you and for me. It's also interesting that Jesus told John, I'm the first and the last. I'm the first stone. I'm the last stone. I'm every stone in between. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And then that rainbow around the throne encircling the throne. Now, the rainbows that we're familiar with are half circles. We don't see a complete circle. But the rainbow around the throne of God is an encircling, complete encircling of the throne, representing that there's no beginning and no end, the eternal, eternal nature of God, completeness. And then that green color representing life, everlasting life, represented by that circular rainbow around the throne. God is on the throne. That's the first thing that John sees. Should give us comfort. The second thing that John mentions here in this passage, second thing that he sees are 24 other thrones with 24 elders. Look at verse 4. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. Now, who are these folks? 24 beings sitting on 24 thrones well they're clothed in white raiment they have crowns on their heads and that word there for crown in the in the original greek is stephanos which is a victor's crown the type of crown that you would get when you won a race now some say they're angels but we're never told as far as i can see in scripture where angels get victor's crowns 
Back in Revelation chapter 3, in the letter to the church at Sardis, Jesus said to those in that church, starting in verse 4, Yet you have, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. And then verse 5, He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Who are these 24 elders? I think I'm convinced, looking at Revelation chapter 3 and then this next passage in Revelation chapter 5, where it says they fell down to worship when the Lamb who was slain took the scroll from the Father's hand. The new song that they sang, pay attention to this. You're worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God. And they will reign on earth. They will reign on the earth. Now the NIV translates the original Greek there. It says you purchased men for God. The word in the original Greek is hemos which is translated every other place 180 times is the word us. That's the way the King James Version reads. Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. King James actually translates that word hemos as us where other translations say people or men. But to me, it makes the most sense for the original Greek to be translated in the way that it's translated in every other usage of that word in the New Testament. That word, hemos, means us. So these elders were wearing white. They were wearing victor's crowns. And they were singing to Jesus. You were slain and with your blood, you redeemed us to God. Out of every nation and tribe and tongue. These elders are believers. This is us. Those of us who have been washed in the blood of Jesus, those 24 elders on the 24 thrones represent you and me. Those of us who have been throughout history who have made Jesus the Lord of their lives. This is the bride of Christ. This is the church. People from every tribe and nation and tongue who have been snatched out, raptured there in heaven, robed in white with victor's crowns. This should give us comfort. This is what Jesus told John to write in chapter 1. After this current time that we live in, Metatalta, after this, after the church age, we're going to be in heaven around the throne of God. And then the third thing that John sees that should bring us complete comfort. Look at Revelation 5, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then verse 5, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Here's the lamb who was slain, Jesus Christ, the lion of, lion of Judah in heaven at the right hand of the Father being worshipped 
by the heavenly host, standing there triumphant, victorious, and worthy. At the end of this current church age, Jesus is going to step out on the clouds with a loud voice like a trumpet. And just like he told John, he's going to tell us, come up here. Come up here. And the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those who are, of us who are still alive at that time are going to rise to meet him in the air. God is going to be there. He shows through the eyes of John there, we know what's going to happen. He pulls that veil back to let us see into the future. God's on the throne. Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain, is going to be there. And those of us who have washed our robes in the blood of Jesus with victor's crowns will be there. Ephesians 2 and verse 6, Paul writes about us being seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. That's Ephesians 2 and verse 6. We're going to be there. We don't need to be afraid. He gives them that glimpse of what's going on. And when will this happen? I don't know. It's closer now than it was yesterday. It's closer now than it was 2,000 plus years ago. Could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 100 years from now. But Matthew 24, Jesus is speaking in Matthew 24 and verse 36 and following. He says, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be at the grinding mill, the grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. That's Jesus speaking there. Now, not everybody's going to make the trip, y'all. Sadly, not everybody's going to make the trip. I'll give you an illustration. If you took a five-gallon bucket full of aluminum Coke cans, you shook them out on the ground, and you took a five-gallon bucket of nails, shook them out on the ground, and you buried some in the ground, and then you took a big electromagnet and brought over there and turned it on. The nails are coming up. Cans are not going anywhere. The nails under the ground are coming up. Cans are not going anywhere. Why? Why the nails? Because they've got the same nature as the magnet. And it's going to happen the same way when Jesus steps out on the clouds. Those who are heaven born will be heaven bound. And those who are not are going to stay put. We're going to stand in just a minute and sing the words of the song. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Are you going to make the trip? Are you absolutely sure that when you stand and sing these words in just a minute that they're true for you? What about your spouse? What about your children, your grandchildren? Will they make the trip? Have they surrendered their life to Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Are you ready to go when he steps out on the clouds in the twinkling of an eye? Don't get left behind. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to your loved ones, your co-workers. If you need to get things right with God this morning, he's ready and willing and able to come to Jesus by faith.
Maybe you know for sure you're going to make the trip, but there's some things in your life that you know are not right. The Holy Spirit of God has been working on your heart about it. Today is the day to make it right with God. However, you need to do business with Him this morning. If you need to come forward in just a minute as we stand and sing, you do just that. And He will forgive you and restore you. He says to us, do not be afraid. Be comforted. Because we know what's going to happen. Let's pray together. Father, it's comforting to know that you will be in heaven, Lord, on your throne, permanently enthroned. And that your son Jesus will be there, the lamb who was slain. And Lord, that we will be there, robed in white, with victor's crowns. We're grateful for this knowledge, Lord. We're, we're thankful for it. Help us to make sure that we're ready to make the trip. When Jesus steps on in the clouds, when, when you tell your son, go get your bride. It's my prayer that all of us will be in that number when that role is called up yonder. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn in your hymnals to page number 774 when the roll is called up yonder. We'll sing all three verses. You can stand for the hymn of invitation.
Father, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for this message this morning, Lord. Help us to make sure that we're sure. Help us to know that when the roll is called up yonder, we will be there. When you step out on the clouds, call your bride. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Help us to share the good news of the gospel with those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.